Yes, there will be trials and there will be tribulations, but we have a faithful God who will see us through. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want us to look at Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read together the first four verses of Colossians chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul is going to give us some words of encouragement and words of instruction for a new year. So if you would, honor the reading of the word of the Lord by standing up with me. And uh, we will read uh, uh, Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 through 4, and then we'll uh, share a little bit about it. In Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, If ye have then been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Father, as we bow our heads and our hearts in the presence of the Lord this morning, we are given these words of instruction and words of hope for a new year. Now, Father, I pray that you would just move me out of the way and hide me behind the cross, that, Father, that you would give to us the message that you have for us as we look at what Paul tells us that we need to do as we prepare for this new year. Lord, for those that are struggling, those that are hurting, those that are going through times of sickness and dealing with the COVID virus, and Lord, we pray your hand of protection and restoration upon them. Bring them back to us soon, we pray. And Lord, we just ask that, Father, this morning, as we look to you, that we would know that all things can be made new through you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and you may be seated this morning. I got a question for you this morning. How many of you have heard of uh, uh, Good Riddance Day? How many of you? Show me a hand. Anybody heard of it? All right. Well, you may not have heard of it if you're not from New York City. If you are not from that wonderful state that knows how to get rid of things, including people, all right? Uh, you may have heard it on the news, but on last Monday, December 28th, every December 28th in Times Square, they get together and uh, they have this festival called Good Riddance Day. And what they do is they invite people to come down with all of their grievances, all of their troubles, and they encourage people to write them down and throw their list into a shredder, symbolizing that they're um, the act of letting go of their painful memories, their bad experiences, their foolish mistakes, their bad relationships, uh, dumb choices, and long-held grudges that have been junking up their insides. And then once they shred all of those things, they take all of that shredded stuff and they fill a piñata, a great big huge piñata, and they hang it there in Times Square and then someone beats the snot out of it with a baseball bat until all those pieces of paper are flying through the air. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty cool day. I read about one blogger who clearly says that he loves this idea for this is what he said. I think this is becoming one of my most favorite holidays. Today's the chance to say good riddance to something. And I'm making quite a list. Maybe today you can think of some things that you would like to say good riddance to. I know that, that for many of us, uh, uh, there are many of us who would like to say good riddance to 2020. All right? Um, there is something almost irresistible about the idea of out with the old, in with the new. Sometimes we need to say good riddance to the pain and the hurt of the past. However, we need to be careful. We need to take note that what we need to get rid of gets rid of, but that which we need to keep remains with us. And what I mean by that is, yes, 2020 is over. 2021 is here. And as we stand at the beginning of a new year, it is a great time for us to reflect on the year that is ending and look forward to a new year that is beginning. It is also a good time for God's people to stop and to take an inventory. Now, I'm not much on New Year's resolutions. I, I just think they're a waste of time 
because 99.9% of the people don't keep them past the first week. I'm not talking about setting New Year's resolutions. I'm talking about taking a spiritual inventory of what your life is. Josh spoke of it as he was leading us in prayer about the opportunities in 2020 to uh, spend more time with God, to, uh, to lead our family differently, to do all these things. But how many of us really did that? It's a good time for us to take that spiritual inventory and walk uh, as, uh, to look at what our walk with the Lord really is. We should take a close look at where we are in our relationship with Him. We need to examine ourselves and see where we have been, where we should be, and where we can be. And we need to look at ourselves in such a way that we are honest with the Lord and say, Lord, I know that I could be so much closer with you. Lord, I know I should be so much closer with you, but Lord, I know that I'm not. And there we need to, to let the rubber meet the road and take the challenge of a new year to let go of some things and to hang on to some others. This particular passage, these four simple verses that, that the Apostle Paul gives to us here as he uh, writes chapter 3, gives us an opportunity to take that challenge and do just that. As we look at our lives in light of these verses, we are challenged to retain some things from the past, to release other things of the past, and to remember those most important things in our life. All right, so well, that's what I want us to focus on today. So I want to open up our, uh, these verses today and share with you the challenges that they may contain for all of us. I want to show you that God has a plan for your life. Whether it's 2020, whether it's 2021, or whether it's 2040, God has a plan for your life if you're still here. As we begin this new walk and this new year, we need to know that God has a plan for you to use you to do something with you and for you and through you this year if you will let Him. So I want to take that time this morning to look at a few things that God might want to say to you. So he wants certain things from your life and that uh, he has the right to demand those things is so important for us to admit. So first of all, let's look at Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 and the beginning of chapter 2 or verse 2. And that there are some things that must be retained. Now, I'm sure that many of you would like to say good riddance to almost everything about 2020. I, I know there are uh, some of you that would say um, there's just nothing in 2020. Matter of fact, I've talked to folks this week in preparation for this. I've talked to folks that said there's absolutely nothing in 2020 that I want to hang on to. And I said, but I think there is. And Miranda, I, I actually used you as an example. You're holding one of those wonderful gifts of 2020. And uh, uh, we have new births that have been born in 2020. That, what if we said that we didn't want 2020 to even exist? What would we be missing? There are a lot of things that we need to understand that God has used 2020 in for His glory, to reveal Himself, not only to us in a little deeper way, but to the world around us about how we as Christians are handling the adversaries and, and the adversities and the difficulties and, the, and even the restrictions in our life today. So, in a spiritual sense, Paul is telling us that there are some things that we must hold on to. And I want to give you a couple of spiritual, um, precious spiritual possessions that we need to hang on to that Paul tells us here. First of all, in verse 1, he says, hang on to the awareness of our foundation. Look at verse 1, if you would. If you then be risen with Christ. Now, Paul tells us that we are risen with Christ. Now, he uses the little word if in the King James. It's not a statement of possibility. 
It is actually a declaration of spiritual reality. What Paul is really saying is since you have been risen with Christ, if you have been born again, you have, without a doubt, been risen in Christ. Now, that's a positive statement that he's telling these Christians here during a very difficult period in their life. And so it is something that we need to be reminded of as well, that if we are a child of God, we have been risen to new life in Jesus Christ. Paul is discussing our spiritual position. When Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross, every person who would ever place their faith in Him also died that day on that cross. In a spiritual sense, we all have died to the penalty and to the power of sin when Jesus died on the cross. Listen, we we talked about it the last several weeks from the cradle to the cross and the importance of the cross overshadowing the cradle is that what God had sent His Son to do was not to just be born as a cute baby in a manger, but to come and to die for the sins of humanity. And without His death, we would still be dead in our sins. Because I am dead... I do not have to worry about being punished for sin. My sin has been paid for on Calvary's cross. Your sin has been paid for on Calvary's cross. All you have to do is to receive the pardon that God has given you through Jesus Christ. Wow. That's something that we cannot forget. That's something that we had better not forget. That is the message that we need to be proclaiming in 2021. It should have been the message that we were proclaiming in 2020 that no matter what this world offers, we've been forgiven. We have received the gift of God. The price for the penalty of sin has already been paid through the death of Christ. You and I already died. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because I have died with Christ, I also have been liberated from the power of sin in my life. Romans chapter 6 verse 14 tells us that we're no longer under the bondage. We've been set free. The the hold that sin had on us was pre-Calvary. It was before we came to know Christ. Once we come to know Christ and we died with Him, the the hold that sin had on us does no longer have on us. We are no longer bound to sin. Listen, my friends, let me just remind you. If you sin, you're not sinning because you have to sin. You're sinning because you choose to sin. You see, the reality is we've been set free from the bondage, from being dead in sin. There is a sense in every child of God is dead to sin. Colossians chapter 2 verse 20, I want to just back up real quick there and just look at what it says. And it says, wherefore, if you are dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to its ordinances? You've been set free from the things of this world. You are no longer bound to them. We're no longer held to follow the ordinances and the rudiments of this world, the sin of this world. We've been set free. In this verse, Paul reminds us that we have been raised up with Christ. When Christ died on Calvary's cross, they put Him in a tomb. But three days later, praise the Lord, He rose again. And when He rose again, we rose again. We rose in the newness of life. When we got up, every person, when He got up, every person who would ever have put their faith in Him got up with Him as well. We must never forget that while we were once dead in our sins, Christ paid a penalty for our sins to set us free. And when He died on that cross, He didn't stay dead, but He rose up, and we rose up with Him into newness of life. This knowledge is something that we cannot forget. 
Because no matter what this world throws at us, no matter what challenges that we have before us, no matter what the world tells us, we need to understand that we have this understanding, this knowledge that we have died to sin and rose to new life and we're no longer under the bondage and the, and the hold of this world. We've been set free. My friends, if you want to know what is the secret to living a positive, successful Christian life, it's knowing that we are no longer in bondage to sin. It's knowing that we have been set free. It's knowing that we are alive in Christ, and Christ is alive in us. We can do what He has called us to do. We cannot forget that no matter what this year brings. The second thing that He reminds us that we need to hang on to is we need to hang on to our focus. Now, some of us may need to refocus a little bit, but we need to hang on to our focus. In the latter part of verse 1, and then in, starting in, in verse 2, he reminds us, he says that, If you are risen with Christ, seek the things which are above, which Christ setteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on the things above, not on the things of this earth. You see, the reality is, he says, since that we have been raised into a new life in Jesus, we're told to seek the things that are above. We're to be looking at a new plane. Too many of us are looking out here, and we're seeing all of the craziness, all of the foolishness, all of the fears, and all of the, uh, the anxieties of this world. Too many of us have a lowly look instead of a high look. It's time that we change our focus and start looking at the things above. At the promises of God's word that he has given unto us. The verb that we find here, seek, is what's called the present tense. Now what does that mean? In other words, we are told that we are to continually be seeking those things which are above. It's not something that we looked at at one point, but that it should be something that we're doing every day. That we should be constantly seeking, just like the, the wise men continued to seek the star until they found the Lord Jesus. We need to continue to seek after. We need to continue to look and, and continue to look at not the things of this world. My friends, no wonder our mental health is so bad. We're so focused on the, the things of this world that we're, we're, we're being eaten up. It's time that we start looking at the things of God. It's time that we start looking up instead of looking down. The second verse builds on that thought by telling us to set our affections. Now, what does he mean, set our affections? We need to stop longing for the things of this world and start longing for the things of heaven. We need to start praying as Jesus taught us to pray, uh, Thy will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. We need to start looking to the things of heaven and say, I can't wait until what God has established in heaven starts happening here on earth. We need to start changing the affections that we have for the things of this world. Too many of us are caught up in the things of this world and we have misplaced the things of God. The word affection refers to our mind. We're told here to focus our thoughts on heavenly things and not earthly things. We are to set our minds on the things of God and on the things that bring glory to Him. Now, follow along with me. If you've got your Bibles open, we're going to take a little journey here for the next minute or two. And uh, Paul goes on to tell us a few things in Colossians chapter 3, 2, 3, and 4, and I want to just bring them out. A quick look at some of the verses following this verse gives us an insight into what Paul was talking about here. Things that we are to pursue in this world that are not of this world, but of heaven. A deeper knowledge of Jesus. Colossians 3.10, and I want to just read these verses real quick. And, and have put on new, a new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. We're to put on a clean and holy life. Colossians chapter 3, look at verses 5 through 9. Mortify therefore the members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, uh, inordinance, and affections, evil, consumptuous, uh, covetousness, which is idolatry. For th which things 
sake the, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. And that which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Wow. We're to put on godly virtue. And if you look at verses 12 through 17, I just want to read a few. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of, uh, of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man has a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, you also do to them. And then we're to have holiness in our domestic life. Continuing on in that uh, chapter, starting in verse 18. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands. That is fit unto the Lord. Husbands, listen, husbands, love your wives and, and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, submit one to another. And then he goes on to say that we're, we're to have an effective prayer life. Look at verse 2 of chapter 4. Continue in prayer. Watch the same hour with thanksgiving. My friends, we as Christians, if we want our life to be different, we must be people of prayer. And then he says that we are to have a fruitful witness. In verses 3 through 6, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mysteries of Christ, for which I am also in bonds that I may make it a manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom towards them that are without redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. My friends, how is your witness? How is your relationship with the Lord? In other words, Paul goes on to say, we're to live like Jesus lived. We're to follow in the, the example that he set before us. We're to live out the fruits of the Spirit that Paul says that we're to have in our lives day after day after day. We're challenged to live out our lives with genuine spiritual values. We're to put away the values of this world and we're to cling to the values that are heavenly. As we give our attention to these spiritual and heavenly things, then we are enabled to live above the things of this world. We are then able to live in a heavenly realm. We're able to say that my spiritual life is no longer tethered to this world, but I am connected with the one to come. We are enabled to live a heavenly, holy, God-honoring life in a sin-filled, sick world. What a difference we can make. What an example we should be. As you and I prepare to live in the new year, may the Lord help us to realize who we are and what we have been given in Jesus Christ, the new life that He has given unto us. May we, that realization change how we walk in this world, how we talk, in this world, how we live in this world. May that realization help us to live in our heavenly realm that God has made available to all who are His children. The second thing that Paul tells us is not only are there some things that we need to retain, 2020 was not the greatest of years for many. But there are always things in which God has taught every one of us that we need to hold on to. Things that we need to be, be aware of that these are things that put me uh, from where I was to where I needed to be. It's caused me to live a more devout spiritual walk. But then again, in verse 2, he says there are some things that must be released. There are those things that we must retain, but my friends, let me tell you, there are always things that we must release. While we retain some important things of 2020, other things need to be released. In our spiritual life, the same thing is true. Sometimes uh, we need to let go of things that have hold on us. There are some things that try to attach themselves to our lives that are no good. 
The writer of Hebrews says that we need to put off every weight of sin that so easily besets us. We need to be reminded that there are things that we allow in our lives to cling to us that cause us to trip up in this race called the Christian life. Those things need to be thrown out. Other things simply don't have a place anymore in our lives. And those things need to be let go. Paul tells us in verse 2 what our focus and our thoughts should be if they're to be on heavenly things. While we do that, we are to avoid getting caught up in all the things that this world would swamp our minds and hinder our walk. If we allow our mind to focus on uh, this world, it would have no time to give the things of God the attention that they need. All too often, too many of us are spending too much time thinking about the things of this world when we ought to be thinking about the things of God. Here in Colossians, Paul mentions some dangerous distractions that would hinder our walk if they were allowed to continue to be a part of our life. So let me show you what he says. I'm going to just give you a few. There's more, but I want to just talk about some. There are some things that we need to avoid and some things that we need to let go and some things that we need to get rid of in our life. My friends, we need to recognize that we're living in a world filled with false doctrines. There are false doctrines surrounding us in everything of life. In Colossians chapter 2, if you will, just back up to verse 8. He says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Wow. The word spoil means to carry off the booty or to, to uh, uh, carry someone off into captivity. The enemy of this world, our enemy, would love nothing more than for God's people to get themselves trapped in all kinds of false systems of belief. Systems of belief that emphasize um, everything except for the things of Christ. They take our mind and our emphasis off of Jesus in, in our walk with Him. He tells us that the enemy does this through several things. He says through philosophies. This refers to the wisdom of men. If what a person is teaching is not backed up by the Word of God, my friends, no matter what his education, no matter what his pedigree, no matter how many letters he has after his name, we should not follow it. This is the instruction book. This is the guidebook. This is the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. It is not what some man teaches us, but it is what Christ has given us. If it does not back up the Scripture, then throw it away. The philosophies of man are all around us, and, and they want us to be caught up in the things of this world. And then he talks about vain deceit. Vain deceit is referred to those who deceive through trickery or through a slick message. Again, if the message is not Jesus, if the message is not salvation through Christ and Christ alone, if the message is not put your focus on the things of God, if God is not the center of the message, my friends, it is not a message that we should involve in our life. We should not be caught up with the vain deceit of this world. Listen. We can go back to Genesis and we can look at and, and, and talk about what it was that caused Adam and Eve to sin. And let me remind you that it was simply vain deceit. They were deceited by uh, Satan and his trickery and his, his subtlety and his changing of the things that God said just enough to make it sound plausible but not factual. And so it is that if you and I are not spending time in this book, it's amazing how many people can say things to us that we think is plausible but not factual. The only way that we're going to know how to stand for the things of God is to stand in the things of God, to be in His Word. 
And then he goes on to say that, that we need to be careful about the traditions of men after the rudiments of this world and that are not after Christ. We're not to base our faith and our walk on traditions of men. No matter how godly, no matter how worthy of respect that they may be, let me tell you, it doesn't matter who stands behind this pulpit. They are just mere men. And it is not for you to follow man, but to follow Christ. Listen, traditions of men are deceiving more people because they are being taught from the pulpit as being biblical. Listen, my friends, if you can't back it up in this book, it's not worth doing. I don't care if it's preached from this pulpit. If it's not from this book, it's not worth following. For this book tells us how that we can find our way to heaven. No man can tell us that other than by giving us that which is written here. The traditions of man may deceive us, but the word of God will always lead us. We are to live and base our lives on Him and the Word of God alone. We are to stay with the Bible and try every teaching against the, the Bible with clear Word of God. We are to avoid false doctrines at all costs. We are to run from it regardless of the package in which it's presented in. There are false doctrines all around us, but there are also foolish demands. Let me remind you that the world is constantly making foolish demands of us. It's telling us that we need to be accepted of everything and anything. It tells us that we cannot be um, so narrow-minded that Jesus is the only way to heaven. You've got to open up and let people come any way they can. No, my friends, Jesus was very clear. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Not me, him. He said it. In Colossians chapter 2, if you look at verses 16 and 17, let's just slip back there real quick. Verses 16 and 17, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink and in respect of holy day or in the new moon or in the Sabbath day, which are the shadows of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Skip down to verse 21. Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the, the, the using after the commandment and the doctrine of man, which things are indeed a show of wisdom in his worship and in, in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Now Paul here is warning the fledgling church here, these believers, to watch out for the world is trying to put them back under the things of the law. It's trying to make demands of them to say that if you're really going to get to God, you've got to do it this way. My friends, we need to be careful. Jesus came to deliver us from the legalism of this world from the harsh, impossible demands that Satan and, and the law places upon us. Christians are to uh, uh, stand in the liberty that we have been given in Jesus Christ. Now Paul is telling these believers that no man has the right to judge. Now listen, be, be very careful here. What he's saying is no man has the right to tell you that you're not going to heaven. Only God has that right. Now listen, we are called to be fruit inspectors. We're to, to, to be sensitive enough to other people's walk and relationship and say, listen, I want you to know I love you and therefore I'm telling you things are not right in your life and God may not be the center of your life. I'm not judging. I'm, I'm advising that there might be some things that you need to get right in your life. I can't tell you that you're lost. But I can point you to the one who can reveal to you if you're lost or not. You see, Christians are to stand in that liberty 
Paul is telling these believers that no man but God has that right. If they have been saved by Jesus, then they have been delivered from the demands and the law, and they give great enjoyment to the liberties that are in Christ. Now, let me remind you what Paul also says for those of you that say, well, great, that gives me a license. No, Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 6 and verses 1 and 2, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead? Remember, we are dead to sin and we've been risen to Christ. How are we that are dead to sin live in sin anymore? Listen, my friends, our liberties in Christ is not an excuse to go do what we want to do and expect God just to overlook it. No, it's to say that I am living in the freedom of Christ, that I have the liberty to live out my faith according to this book in opposition to the things of this world, that I can stand in Christ and be set free from the things of this world. The whole point of these verses is true spirituality does not consist of him who is keeping man-made laws. External rules or, or even following a set of rules. But spirituality is in our personal faith relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ who has set us free from the things of this world. What you do or what you do not do does not make you spiritual. Listen, let me remind you, you cannot do anything so bad that God will not stop loving you. You cannot do anything so good that God will love you anymore. The reality is He loves us. You see, it's not what we do or don't do that determines our spirituality. It's how close we're walking with the Savior. How close are we walking with Him? Spirituality comes from knowing Jesus and allowing Him to know us thoroughly. Allowing Him to invade all of the areas of our life, not just some. Paul goes on to list a bunch of things here uh, we've already read in Colossians chapter 3 that we need to put off. Look at verse 8 if you want to again and, and go back and see the things that we're to let go of in our life. Ask yourself how many of these things are still evident in my life today and if they are these are the things that we need to get rid of thirdly he says there are some things that we need to remember not only is there some things that we need to retain not only is there some things that we need to release but there's some things that we need to remember look at verses three and four for you are dead and your life is hid with christ in god when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, you shall also appear with Him in glory. I think it would personally be a, a, a tragic mistake for us to try to forget that 2020 ever happened. I think there were so many valuable life lessons that God was teaching. Yes, no doubt, 2020 was a hard year. No doubt there are things that we want to forget and things that we need to let go of. These last two verses of this text serve as a reminder to some spiritual truths that must be remembered no matter how difficult life gets. No matter what we face in 2021, there are some things that we need to remember as we walk with the Lord. We need to consider them before we leave this subject behind. First of all, there has been a death that has changed everything. Now I know that we go back to thinking about death and we immediately go back, or at least I do, to Calvary. And that's where it all began. But the death that I want to talk about was not the death of Christ, but what that death of Christ did for you and I. You see, there's a death that has changed everything. When Christ died and we died in Christ, that changed everything for us. 
We are no longer bound to the things of this world. We're no longer bound to do and follow the things of the flesh. We're no longer bound to say, I have to sin. But no, now we can say, I choose not to sin. I make that decision. One of the surest ways for a child of God to enjoy spiritual victory in his or her life is for that person to understand that they are crucified with Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verse 20. I've already read it, but let me read it again. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Oh, I'm sorry, that's Galatians chapter 2. I did not read that. If we can get a grip on this truth, the truth that was found in Romans chapter 6, verse 11, likewise reckon you yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin. If we recognize that we are no longer alive to sin, but we have died to sin, if we get to that place where we know that it no longer has dominion, power, authority in our life, each and every one of us will grow deeper in our spiritual things. And the things of the Lord will become stronger and stronger in our life. There's a death. The death of each and every one of us that changes everything. But there's also been a deposit made into our lives. You see, the Bible tells us that, that not only did we die to the, to, with Christ and, and the things of sin are, are, are dead, but that when we are saved, we are given new life in Christ. New life in Jesus. Look at what he says there. uh, For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Paul is reminding us that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that raises us to new life in Christ. Because we have been hidden in Jesus means that we've been put in protective custody, that we've been placed under His authority, that we have been placed within His realm. That the, the, the things of this world, the, the, the onslaught of our enemy, cannot touch us, cannot harm us, cannot rob from us that which Christ has put in us. Listen, my friends, every one of us should say, thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit that now dwells within me. And because He dwells within me, I have the same power that raised Christ from the dead to raise me to new life so that I no longer have to give in to the flesh, no longer have to give in to the things of the world, but I can stand up and say, I am alive in Christ and therefore I am an overcomer of the things of this world. We have been given a deposit, an earnest from God that says, hang on to this until I come and claim you as my own. He's coming. He's calling. And he's called people to his glory. And then thirdly, there is a dream worth holding on to. Paul closes this paragraph by reminding us that this world is not the best that there is. He says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then we shall also appear with Him in, listen, glory. Now what that says is that things are going to get better. (laughs) Uh, This is not all there is. Over the years, I have been with many of folks at the time of death when they thought that life was all that it was, and I saw the hopelessness in their face. They did not know that there was something greater or something worse on the other side of death. We may have to deny our flesh down here, but it will be worth it all when we get up there. We might have to battle Satan for a while down here, but we'll enjoy the victory when we get up there. When Jesus comes back to this earth, our faith in Him will be vindicated and we will be glorified with Him. For the Bible says that when He comes in the twinkling of an eye, we all shall be changed. 
Now what that means is that this mortal flesh no longer is mortal. It is now a heavenly body. We have been given all that is glorified in God, all that we need so that we can eternally live with Him, move tirelessly through eternity. Right now, every believer in this room, unfortunately, every one of us is battling the world We're battling our flesh. We battle the devil on a daily basis. From children to senior adults. I remember reading of uh, an aged, well-aged, he was in his 90s, pastor who went back to do the uh, uh, closing um, class speech for graduating class of seminaries and He opened it up for a time of questioning and one of the seminary, young seminary students asked the well-aged man, when will you stop battling the flesh and sin? And with all sincerity and wisdom, the old gentleman said, I don't know. When I get there, I'll let you know. The reality is while we're here, we shall battle it. But when we get there, we shall have victory. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 reminds us old things are passed away and behold all things become new. Right now, I don't know about you but I have a dream. I have a dream of a day when I will get to go home. When I will see my Savior face to face. One day, That dream's going to become a reality. And I will be in the presence of the Lord forever and ever and ever. I don't know about you, but I need to hold on to that dream. I need to remember that dream. Because I don't know about you, but I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold, but I know the dream in which I hold. And one day I'm going to let go of all the troubles of this world. One day all the difficulties of life are going to be vanished away and I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord and I'm going to be with my Savior face to face. And I hope that if it's done in death, that when you come visit my body, there's a big smile on my face. For I'm not here anymore. I've gone to be over there with Him. So let me ask you as we close our time this morning, as we begin a new year, we need to take a good look, a hard look at our lives and as how we're walking with the Lord. We need to ask a few questions as we close our time this morning. First of all, are there some things in your life that need to be retained? Some things in our life that we need to hold on to Lessons that we learned that will help us as we walk forward. Every trial, every tribulation, everything that we've gone through is to help us to focus our attention on Him so that the next one will help us to grow closer to Him. Does our focus need to be readjusted from the things of this world to the things of God? Do we need to let go of the things that, uh, of this world that seem to have our attention and start looking to the things that, that are heavenly? Are there some things in our life that need to be released? You and I need to lay aside some things that are not right in our life. You know what they are. I don't have to tell you what they are. I don't have to list a list of sins to, for you to know what... We all know what's not right in our life. We all know the things that we need to say good riddance to. So let's do it. And then there are some things in our life that we need to, be, to remember. Some things that... Dreams that we need to, to, to hold on to. Some truths that we need to to make sure 
are the focal points of our, of our spiritual relationship and walk with the Lord. Things that we should never forget about God. Maybe you're here this morning and this is the third day of the new year and you're already saying, <laughs> um, I already got more problems in this new year than I can handle. I'm not ready for 362 more days of it. Well, good. Let me just tell you that I know a God who can take care of your problems. I know a God who wants to have a conversation with you. I know a God who is saying, come to me and all you that are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. I know a God who says, I'm just a prayer away. I know a God who says, we built the altar so that people could come and cry out to me. Won't you come to Him today? Won't you say, Lord, I can't handle the things of this world, but I know that you can handle all that I'm going through. If you're here this morning and you've never given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never put your faith in the finished work of Calvary's cross so that you have died to sin and, and are alive in Christ, been raised to new life in Him, what better way to start off the new year than to put your faith and trust in Him? He will not let you down, no matter what this world offers, no matter how this new year starts off, no matter how it ends. He will be faithful to the end. Won't you come to Him? If you're here this morning, the invitation is going to be for you to come to the altar. Maybe you want to just pray and, and, and say, Lord, here I am at the beginning of this new year. I'm offering it to you and I'm surrendering everything to you. If you're at home or sitting out in your car listening, make that very spot where you are, the altar in which you fall before the Lord. And tell Him, I need you. I need your strength. I need your help. I need your hope. I need you. Make that place a holy place. Make that place where you are a place where God is. And commune with Him just for a moment. And let His Spirit commune with you. If you'd like to know how to receive Jesus Christ, if you're here this morning, Josh and I would love to, or Brother Tom, to tell you how you can do that. But if you're online and you're wondering how do we do that, the number for you to contact us is right there on the screen. Please do that. We'll be glad. Take whatever time it takes to share with you what it means to receive Jesus as Savior. Thank you for worshiping with us there at home. For those of you that are here, I'm going to ask that you stand to your feet just for a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity. I know in this day of COVID, 